Hello and welcome to Full Metal Pod. This is Jason here. And Jimmy. So Jimmy, how was your weekend? It was a pretty chill weekend. We're starting to get some colder weather here in Texas, so I'm enjoying that. Nice. We uh, we had a heat wave probably the past few weeks, so I haven't wanted to go outside lately. But uh, yeah, this past weekend it was really nice and took my dog walk, and I think we walked like six miles around the city. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a lot of walking. Well, it's not like there's a ton of other things to do, and it was just kind of nice to walk and, you know, be with the dog and... You know, get let her get some energy out and all that stuff because we usually don't go on we don't go on walks that long all that often. So nice. All I've been doing is I've been looking for a new PC. I think I want to start gaming on the PC. So I've been looking at some some new laptops. Yeah, I have I have not been a PC gamer in the longest time, so I wouldn't even know where to start telling you where to look. But I feel like you know Dell or the Dell. What is it, Dell? Dell owns the Alienware, I'm pretty sure. So like the Dell Alienware, maybe. Yeah, I'm not much of a PC gamer as well, but there are a few titles I want to get into. I want to get back into World of Warcraft and lose a little bit of my life to that. Mm. So got to get like a decent computer to play Makes it. Makes sense. Yeah, those do take up a lot of juice. And I, I hear that they're good. I don't even know what a good gaming PC is anymore. That's... That's how detached I am from it. You know, I work in tech. You would think I would know this stuff, but nope. I always hear that you should build your own, but I am a a buy-as-is consumer. I like the company to be like, this is what's the top of the line. Here you go. Yeah. But I hear to truly understand a computer, you need to build it. You could definitely get the individual components for cheaper if you buy them on your own. Uh, But yeah, it's it definitely takes time and... It's actually a lot easier than it was, say, maybe 20 years ago, because a lot it's a lot more plug and play. But yeah, knowing what to buy, I guess you can hit up like Reddit or some forums or something and get some advice. But yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of been doing some research this weekend, trying to figure out what to do. And then the PS5 is going to come out soon. So that's that's a I thing. have a uh, what is it? It's a Web page that somebody showed me. I think it's called like now or something like that. Anyway, you just kind of uh, are now in stock.net. So you just kind of put in what product you're looking for. In this case, a PlayStation 5, and it lists all the stores. It tells you if it's in stock or out of stock. So like it lists Walmart and Amazon and Best Buy and GameStop and all of those. And it's been out of stock for quite a while. So I'm like, I want to buy one, but, you know, they're not around. So it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll have to wait. Does having it be online take away like some of the magic remember like when you had just had to go to the store and buy the exclusive or whatever was coming out and you just waited in a long line and you you knew it or you knew you were going to get it or not just like looking at the line i never did the line thing but i distinctly remember being in middle school when the ps2 came out and like uh, up to leading up to my birthday i would call just about every other day the different walmarts near my house to see if they had a PlayStation 2 in stock. And eventually I got the one that said, yeah, we've got one. And I was like, okay, hold it. I'll be right there. <laughs> nice. Oh, the PS2. Every time I think of the PS2, I think of the game Tekken Tag. I love that game so much. Yeah. Uh, I I do think that a lot, like kids these days, you know, I'm going to sound like the old guy right now, but kids these days have it spoiled. They don't understand what it's like to have to, 
you know, call ahead and figure out if somebody has the stuff in stock or whatnot. If you just go on Amazon, get everything, or you don't have to wait in line anymore. Just sit at your computer and wait for things to go on sale. That That is true. But I also think like younger people and kids won't understand playing a video game that's four discs long yes. and having to use memory cards. Yes, I remember uh, that very well with PlayStation. I remember one of my memory cards. I, I don't even remember how it broke, but it just broke. And I couldn't get and all of my games. All of my data was just gone. And I was so upset because I was like, no, I have to start everything over again. Oh, man. I just remember bringing my memory cards to friends' houses so you could play, like, your game at their place. It Memory cards were amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I loved when memory... Like, those were game changers because back in the day of, like, Nintendo and Nintendo 64, though Nintendo 64 eventually did introduce a memory card, but, like, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, where all of this... Me- all, this all the memory was stored on the game cartridge... I remember you'd go to Blockbuster and you would really hope that if you rented the game after, like you, you'd rent the game, then you return it and then maybe rent it three weeks later. And then you'd hope somebody who was really good at it rented it so that you could play their save game. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I didn't even think about that. And it's like um, Pokemon, you know, on like the Game Boy games that the save files will be directly on the cartridge. And that's, I'm a big Pokemon fan. So buying a used Pokemon game and putting in your DS or in your Game Boy and seeing what Pokemon like have been captured by this other person is always a fun. Don't erase your games, people. Just trade them in as as is. They're like treasures for us, us yeah, other people. That was always my favorite. Like the games where I was just terrible and I couldn't get ahead past a certain part. I would just hope that I would rent it out again and then somebody else figured it out or something. And usually they did. And I was like, all right, all these characters are unlocked. Now I don't have to work for it. Oh, man. Did you ever like look in like for like walkthroughs or cheat codes or anything like that? Because I knew every now and then I would try to find something to help me. I was so bad at So this games. was like right before the Internet took off. And when the Internet took off and there was game facts and stuff, it made it so much nicer. But right before that, I remember getting in trouble because there was a hotline that you could call and it was like a buck ninety nine a minute or something, and they would tell you how to beat certain spots. And like if I got stuck on a game, I would actually call that hotline. And I have I can't even remember how big of a bill I ran up, but it was it was not great. It was not great. Oh man. That that's so awesome. I feel sorry for the the younger you, but that's that's so awesome. The younger me who got punished for just loving his game a little too much. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, you can just go on YouTube and watch a, a walkthrough or whatever. And you're fine. Yeah, you can even watch someone play the whole video game on Twitch, which I do every now and then. So it's just enjoyable not gonna lie there's been times where i've done that where it was a game that's really popular but i didn't really care enough to actually invest time in playing it so i would just watch somebody else play it and then after a while like when they would beat it i'm like okay i could explain the entire story now yeah sometimes you don't want to buy every video game but you want to see see it be played yeah that's uh that's one fun thing i like to do now especially that i'm home all the time thanks to 
COVID and whatnot, but you know, it's, it's a good way to kill time just to sit and watch somebody play last of us two or whatever. It's free. And then you get to, it's, it's like playing it, except you're not, it's like just playing, it's like watching a really long movie. Yes. And I love really long movies. I wish there was a way I could watch someone play tabletop games. I don't know if that would be fun or not, but I, I really miss board game nights. So I would love to see some tabletop action. I would be shocked if there is not. I have not looked, but I would be very shocked if there was not a Twitch channel gear, uh, geared towards that. Because I know there's some people who will do like D&D and whatnot on Twitch. So I'd be shocked if there weren't tabletop games on Twitch right now. If there is not, then I I think this is a, a market we need to tap into. I agree 100% if they are not. Even if there are, it's definitely not a saturated market yet. So we can jump in. Yeah, we're doing it, everyone. Sometime, we'll figure it out. Yeah, first we need to talk about this podcast. You ready? True. You ready to go? Yeah, let's jump in. All right. So this is episode 10 of our podcast. And we'll be covering episode 18 and episode 19. And Jimmy actually pointed out to me. So I'm actually, when I'm counting the episodes, I'm going one through 64. So I'm not breaking it up by season. So this is what, season two, episode five, something like that. Uh, if, if that's how you're following along. Yeah. Okay. So episode 18 is called The Arrogant Palm of a Small Human. This follows right where we left off, where... Edward has gone to Risenbull with, with, um, with Armstrong, uh, kind of against his will, and they run into some of Mustang's men. Okay, that's interesting. They then take a hike through the desert, and you know he's kind of confused. Like, why was I dragged all the way over here? You mentioned something about my auto mail, and it looks like we're not doing anything about my auto mail, and it is so hot out here. They wind up stopping in Xerxes. Or I should rather say the ruins of Xerxes. And they kind of give a little backstory talking about how the entire kingdom of Xerxes was supposedly destroyed overnight. It was like the most advanced alchemy nation in the world at the time. This was maybe 400 years ago. And after it was destroyed, uh, in Amestris, they have a legend that the only survivor crossed the desert and taught them all alchemy and helped them form the nation of Amestris. Now, Xing has a very similar legend where they say a man from the West came from uh, Xerxes and taught the East Alka history by basing it off of their own spiritual beliefs with the dragon pulse and stuff. So, you know, they both have similar stories. Uh, then they start to like ponder about, well, how was this country that was so advanced just destroyed overnight? And, you know, they kind of throw it off as a legend. So in the ruin of Xerxes, they run into Lieutenant Ross. It was apparently Mustang never killed her. Uh, so what happened? Well, so Mustang was able to piece together that something wasn't right. They were, they the trial, the quote unquote trial investigation, whatever you want to call it, was too quick. There hadn't been a formal trial yet, and yet they're already declaring her guilty. So he's like, something's not right here. Something's not adding up. And then Barry the Chopper calls Mustang to say, hey, the newspaper is wrong. She didn't empty a bullet into into Hughes. She shot me through the hand. That's that's what happened. So that's when Mustang realizes, oh, she's being stood up as a fall person for this murder, and she's likely going to get executed, even though she's innocent. 
So Mustang was the one who actually ordered Barry to go and break her out of jail. Mustang had his men bring him some ingredients of like uh, pork and ammonia and stuff. He wasn't going to do human transmutation per se. He was just going to make a doll or mannequin or whatever you want to call it that looked humanistic. And then he burnt it to a crisp because he figured, well, if he burns it that bad, nobody's going to know that it wasn't originally a human. And then he put, uh, he took Maria Ross's uh, tags and burnt them and threw it on her. And then he had Maria Ross, you know, thrown into a trash can where Havoc was waiting for her and snuck her out of the city. And they snuck her out of a mistress because they figured there was nowhere safe for her to stay. And they brought her to Xerxes as kind of the meeting point. And they continued onward. Uh, not everybody continued onward, but Fu, uh, one of Ling's men, continued onward with her to, to Xing, where she can kind of hang out and have a decent life while they try to clean her name. And Edward runs, goes back. Basically... Reason why he had uh, why Mustang wanted Edward gone was because Mustang knew that this would keep Edward out of Central City and help Mustang seek search out the actual killer because they figured with Barry the Chopper running around in jail that would get the attention of the people who actually killed uh, killed Hughes and they would want to silence him so they would start sending people out to find him so they figure okay well once once the, with these people just start showing up in the streets, we'll be able to trail them or capture them and ask them questions and stuff. And they didn't want Edward getting in the way of the plan. Uh, so also while we're in the uh, city of Xerxes, the ruins of Xerxes, we see a bunch of his fallen refugees there. What, one or actually two of them attempt to take Edward hostage because they believe, well, we can take him hostage and the military will uh, give him back, give back our holy land in exchange for him. And, you know, Edward's like, well, no, there's no way that's going to happen. Like, I'm just a kid. And then they point out, well, a, the death of a kid is what caused the War of Ishval in the first place. So fine here. So an older Ishvalan shows up and an older lady and she defends Edward and says, hey, this isn't what Ishval, their god, would want them to do. Uh, and then Edward was like, well, I'm surprised you came to my defense. I thought you guys hated Amestrians. And he's like, I'm not a fan of them, but, you know, there were two... Uh, Mestrians who healed me and then this little boy that was there they they healed us because we you know in the in the field hospital during the civil war and so you know we we we've learned that not all Mestrians are bad that there are good ones and bad ones Edward kind of pieces it together and he realizes oh this these are the rock bells like these are Winry's parents because they were doctors who went to the military who went to the front lines to heal people and the lady, you know, confirms, oh, yeah, yeah, it was the Rock Bells. They were so nice and they helped so many Ishvalans and, you know, they were not afraid to be on the front line. So Edward asks, do you happen to know how he how they were killed? And she says, yeah, yeah, I was there when it happened. She they were unfortunately killed by another Ishvalan. Uh, and then they described this Ishvalan who did it. And that's when Ed realizes, oh, it was Scar who killed Winry's parents. And so now Edward's mad at that. Now that Edward and the team are heading back to a um, mistress at this point, headed back to Risen Bull to jump on a train back to Central. We catch up with Al and Ling and really everybody in Central, Mustang. Uh, Mustang has now, and his team are now trying to uh, smoke out the 
people who are responsible for the attacks or the, the death of Hughes. And we see Barry the Chopper's body uh, running around, but apparently they've attached an animal soul to it or something like that. And so Barry the Chopper, like the, the mechanical or the, the armor Barry of cho the Chopper, is really getting excited at the idea of killing his old body because who knows. So they chase him down uh, and everybody's watching and trying to follow them. Well, Riza Hawkeye is doing what Riza does. She is staying up in the watchtower and watching people and giving them sniper support. When the episode ends with Gluttony walking up about to fight her. So, Jimmy, what did you think about this episode? This episode was great. It had a lot of little things that I really enjoyed. And it made me a little sad about Winry's parents um, of how they died. But it it kind of is like this cool thing that they were there being doctors who didn't care about, like, I guess, who what side they mm -hmm. were on. Because they were helping the people that I, they were at war with or their country was at war with. So it was really cool to hear that story. Mm-hmm. They did indeed, because you know they they were Amestrian. Presumably they were soldiers on the Amestrian side, and yet despite that, they still decided to help Ishvalans who were falling and heal them, even though it co eventually cost them their life. But it kind of shows what kind of people they are, and it, it's kind of interesting to see what kind of person their daughter turned out to be. Because in a way, she's kind of healing people too by giving them auto mail when they lose limbs and whatnot. And then we saw the whole episode of her uh, helping uh, deliver the baby. So, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of that in Winry. Yeah, and are we to assume that it is Scar that killed her parents? Yeah, because they because the the woman was like, yeah, he was all wrapped up. Yeah, so they said that his face was bandaged, which might be, you know, the, the the injury that resulted in him getting the scar. But then she also said that he was a monk and he had a strange tattoo on his arm. So that seems to fit Scar's profile. Yeah, and Edward seemed to, as soon as she said that, he made this like fist, like this ball in his hand. And he was really angry. And it seemed like he knew who she was talking about. So we can't, I guess we're putting two to do together with Scar. So I, I'm really interested to in see where this goes. And does he tell Winry about this? Or I don't know. It's not really that like a bad thing, I guess, to tell her. But to let her know that Scar did it might. I don't know. She doesn't seem like the revenge type, but you never know. Yeah, that's uh, going to be a very interesting, excuse me, an interesting dynamic because on one hand, you know, Scar, while he is a killer, he definitely has a type. He seems to be going after uh, the the state alchemists and then anybody who defends the state alchemists. I don't know what motivation he'd have to kill two doctors who are working in a field hospital. So it would be interesting to know more about that. Yeah. And the other part of this episode, the the Mustang undercover operation that he's running was really cool too the way he's talking to hawkeye on the phone as like as if she was his girlfriend or she's working at some kind of store 
But the the way he's talking to her on the phone to everyone else and using these code words and we find out like he was talking to, to her over there or he's planning something it was really cool to find out. Yeah, Mustang is very smart. Like that is a very clear thing that we're learning in this show. He he knows how to keep things close to the chest and hide his true intentions. Everybody was so sure that he was so angry that he lit Maria Ross on fire, but clearly he didn't. And then everybody was so sure that he was just this heartless guy, but he has clearly been manipulating, not manipulating, but working things behind the scenes. You know, he, with what's her face, um, Reza saying that she needed to take leave. I'm sure to everybody who was around them, it looked like, oh, she needs to take leave because she's just disgusted in him for having burnt alive uh, this 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 woman who hasn't had a trial but no in reality Riza was you know that was part of the that was part of the uh the trick like she's saying oh I'm, she's pretending like she's going away when in reality she is actually helping him hunt and then when Mustang's on the phone he's pretending like he's talking to his girlfriend who works at a flyer, flower shop because you know, um, Riza's like, oh, yeah, Jacqueline's just having a problem with the customer when she actually means that, oh, we found the we found the, the culprit that we are we are looking for. Yeah. And is Lieutenant Ross only alive because Barry said something like because Barry call like, oh, wait, someone Freeman calls Mustang and then Barry gets on the phone and then he Barry the chopper, the suit of armor, says that. Ross shot him, and that's why she's missing one bullet. So, is Barry the reason that Ross is alive? I think to an extent. I think Mustang was already pretty suspicious of everything at that point in time. But I think the uh, whole Barry thing, it seems like it was an opportunistic thing. So, one, Barry kind of confirmed to him that, oh, no, Mustang, that she was not the one who killed Hughes. But at the same time... Mustang's like, hey, here's a guy who's probably, quote unquote, dying to get out and like raise hell. So let's let's use that to our advantage and say, hey, Barry, you want to go out and do something for me and have Barry go out and break out, uh, break out Ross. But then it was dual dual purpose because it also got the attention of people that this suit of armor was running through the jail and broke out a prisoner. So. You know, he's he was I think on one hand, he was very opportunistic, like, oh, there's this opportunity to have Barry the Chopper do something. And so he used it. But I don't like I don't think he believed that Maria Ross had anything to do with the death. I'm really loving Barry this last couple of episodes. He's really grown on me. I now that he he doesn't really want to chop everyone up. I'm I'm like kind of like in his change of heart he's changed teams he's working for mustang now i guess he only really wants to chop his body up which i guess is okay because it's like i don't know is that weird it is kind of weird that he's super obsessed with the idea of chopping up his old body but you know he is also a psychopathic killer so who knows i do find it heartwarming that he was like my body's come back to my soul. It wants to be reunited with me. I was like, oh, that's very sweet. It's like you hear those stories about 
this family that moved across the country and their dog got lost and then their dog ends up back to them. It's kind of like that. His body came back to his soul and it was very heartwarming. And then, then he said he wanted to chop that body up. So put a little record scratch on that. Yeah, that I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about that because it's just so weird. But hey, he's an interesting character nonetheless, so it's entertaining. I mean, his body was rotting. He was like, my body is, is, is decomposing. That's what the bad smell is. So, I mean, what else are you going to do with that body? True. And I guess he feels like, well, what's the point in keeping it around because I need to... You know, it's a dead body anyway, and I like this body that I'm in because it makes me immortal. I think that was more or less his thought process around that. Now, granted, I'm not going to try to get into the mind of a crazy serial killer, but I think that was what he was thinking. Another thing that I really liked about this episode is Havoc's, I don't want to say costume, but outfit when he pops out. So Barry the Chopper's body breaks into the safe house, I guess, where him and where armor bury the chopper and Freeman are and then Havoc busts out and he is like now I can't remember I don't Snake Eyes is the white G.I. Joe ninja, right? Uh I think so. Or Snake Eyes is now I can't remember what the black G.I. Joe ninja is called. But whatever. But he looked awesome because he is like kind of military like ninja doubt. Because you can only really see his eyes. And I thought that was a great... It just looked cool. It looked like a cool costume. Except, you know, his identity was blown because he smells like cigarette smoke. So, I mean... But it was a great outfit. Yeah, he was definitely fun to watch chasing them down. And then, of course, they get the aerial assist from from Hawkeye from the... uh, Gosh, what was it looking like? Well, from like they're, they're she was in like a clock tower or something, and doing the the shot from up there. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, you, I wasn't expecting it when it happened, but then as soon as it happened, I was like, "Oh, well, I know who's up there." And then Havoc was like, "There's a hawk watching out for us," or something. He said something to that extent, and you you're like, "Oh, clearly." Hawkeye but I enjoyed it it was like getting the band back together it was a great fight scene and just kind of it was kind of episode I don't want to say this episode was all over the place because we had a few storylines going all at the same time but I really enjoyed how everything's flowing right now I agree too it, it seems to be getting I wouldn't say picking up, but it definitely seems to be that like there's now, now kind of the story arc has been established or is getting established. We're starting to figure out who all the characters are and a lot of things are starting to happen. Yeah. And last thing I have on this episode is, did we already know that the war was starting, started by a child being killed? I don't remember. I feel like, I feel like Riza mentioned something to them in uh in one of the earlier episodes either reza or armstrong because i feel like there was a little episode i can't remember when but there was an episode in the first season where they talked about the israelan civil war and i feel like they mentioned that yeah because when ed is taken by the israelans and they're like well we're gonna hold you ransom 
And he's like, well, I'm just a kid. And then the elderly woman's like, well, this war started with the death of a kid. So don't undervalue yourself. I was just like, oh, wow. This whole thing started with the death of a kid. So I'm kind of wondering where we go from there. So I found that that was really the thing that maybe like a thinker of this episode. Yeah, I agree. It, man, I, I guess we'll find out more hopefully, but I, yeah, the, the whole idea that it was just a, for lack of a better term, a, it, just a, the death of a kid that started everything is kind of interesting. I mean, I guess what really starts wars, I mean, the shot, well, granted, an archduke and a kid are two different things, but, you know, the death of an archduke started World War One. so. Well, I'm wondering, is like, is it a miss, was there like a misfire or something happened or this kid ran into something? I don't know, but I'm, I'm interested to see where we go from here. I'm glad Ross is alive and she seems to be happy in a sense to kind of see what what's in store for her next i hope we get to clear her name soon she gets to come back but we'll find out i guess indeed i have one little note uh that i forgot to go over so briefly and i feel like it's going to come up later briefly we see when eds and xerxes he kind of stands there and he he comes across this broken I don't want to call it, it's like an art piece, but it almost looks like a transmutation circle. And he just kind of stares at it for a little while until somebody says, hey, Edward, are you coming along or not? So I feel like that's going to play into something later. True. Is that, That's the one where he's like, the top half of it's yeah. missing, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to wind up being something important. Like, I, I don't know why they would have him just stare at that and it not not be important you know yeah this show is full of a lot of callbacks which i enjoy just nothing seems randomly placed everything seems to have its motive and every little thing we get a callback to you later if we don't figure it out in the next episode so we'll see what happens with this everything definitely seems to be intentional in the show so we will definitely have to see what happens Okay, so anything else on this episode before we jump into the next great one? No, I'm ready to go. Awesome. Now we get to go to, quite frankly, one of my favorite episodes in the entire series. And I have a lot of thoughts on this one, but let's jump right into it. Episode 19, Death of the Undying. So this picks up exactly where the other one left off. Uh, We see uh, Hawkeye. Uh, Riza, I will use their names interchangeably because it's the same person, Riza Hawkeye. Uh, Hawkeye is trying to defend herself against, what's his face, against Gluttony. And, you know, she's not able to. She empties a clip into his head, but being homun- a, a homunculus, oh, that's a tough word to say. Being a homunculus, he's able to heal himself, and that kind of throws her off. And he's about to get the better of her, but... Lo and behold, Mustang shows up and burns him out the window. Well, Al catches up because Al realizes that something's going on, that Mustang's up to something, and he can't he can't idly sit by while other people are fighting their battles, so he goes to find them. Al mentions that, oh, it sounds like this is a homunculi because they mentioned that it had an Ouroboros tattoo on its tongue. 
And she's like, yeah, that's a monkey They're immortal, effectively. I met a guy named Greed who had his head knocked off with a hammer and it grew back. And so that kind of throws off Mustang a little bit to think, oh, you mean that thing that I just burnt is running around somewhere? So now we see Barry's body, his human body, running away, and it runs into the third laboratory. The fact that it runs into the third laboratory is enough It's enough for Mustang to realize, okay, this is definitely a military operation. Why would he run into the third laboratory? We've got the information we need. Uh, Barry's not happy with that. He's like, okay, well, you guys do what you want to do. I'm going to go after the body. And at first, Reza's like, oh, no, don't do that. But, you know, Mustang's like, no, this is perfect because this gives us a perfect excuse to run into the building and, you know, do some investigation. So they run in and they say, hey, that's a deranged killer. Uh, Leave it up to me and my men. So Havoc, uh, Reza, Al, and Mustang go in. Uh, Mustang and Havoc go into one area and then Reza and Al go into another. Uh, Havoc and Mustang, yeah, Havoc and Mustang wind up in a room somewhere where, you know, there's a lot of these weird tools. So clearly there's been some kind of crazy experiments going on and they run into Lust. Well, they recognize Lust as being the, uh, the person that uh, Havoc was dating. Lust is shot in the knees by Mustang because he wants her to surrender because she is threatening them. And she is saying, you know, I don't want to, I can't believe I have to kill you, blah, blah, blah. She heals and gets back up. And so that's what makes Mustang realize, okay, she's a homunculus as well. She then proceeds to rip open her chest and reveal that she has a philosopher's stone in the chest. And the philosopher's stone is her core. Like that is, that is who she actually is. So anytime you destroy a part of her human body, the Philosopher's Stone just rebuilds it. And so now she attacks Mustang, destroys his gun, and then she slices a water pipe above them, which soaks him. And being the flame alchemist, he's kind of useless when he's soaked. So now they continue to fight. They run away. And Mustang realizes, well, no, she just doused the entire room with water. Now I can use alchemy to turn it into hydrogen gas, which is super flammable. So he does that. And then Havoc lights his lighter, throws it into the room, and the room explodes, as you would expect. They go in. They smell the dead flesh, but he, or the burning dead flesh. And Mustang still says, you know, this it's a very good chance she's still alive if what they said about homunculi is true. And sure enough, there she is. And she fatally wounds Havoc. Mustang then shoots her in the chest and pulls out her Philosopher's Stone, thinking, okay, well, I can just use this to find a way to heal Havoc. I don't know medical alchemy, but I can certainly figure it out. Uh, It didn't work out the way it hoped. Yes, he pulls the the stone out of her chest and she disintegrates, but then she just reforms around his hand where the stone is and proceeds to stab him in the side, mortally wounding him. Uh, She then removes his gloves so that he can't use flame alchemy. And then she pretty much says, yeah, I'm going to leave you here to die. Uh, But, you know, you're not going to bleed out as badly as Havoc because I want you to sit here and watch him die. So then she leaves. We then see uh, outside, we see that the Fuhrer has arrived to the third laboratory and he's getting ready to go in to, you know, investigate what's happening because the soldiers say, hey, there's a a crazed man ran in there, but Mustang and his men are, are dealing with it. And then he says, well, I'll give him back up then. Uh, he goes in alone. We're taken now to Riza and Alphonse, who are 
sitting in like this white room that almost looks like a room where you would have some kind of bizarre ceremony or something. And it has this very weird, um, almost similar to what we saw in the previous episode, actually only complete the, um, that ornate uh, transmutation circle. All of a sudden, Lust shows up. And Lust is now disappointed because he mentions, oh, now I have to get rid of another sacrifice. Uh, you know, I this is going to be terrible. This is going to make my father upset. <clears throat> and then, you know, Alphonse is a little confused, like, oh, you're, you know, what are you talking about? And you're a homunculus and puts all that together. Then Lust makes mentions to... Uh, Riza, or mention, you know, r- rather, Lust mentions to Al that he, she's going to send Riza to meet her, her superior. Riza puts it together that this means, oh, Lust killed Mustang. So Riza loses it and just empties all of her guns and clips into Lust. Unfortunately, Lust is an immortal homunculus, and so she heals herself, and Riza is now completely out of bullets. And so, you know, Lust slowly walks towards Riza as Riza just breaks down crying, kind of resigned to her fate. Al then steps in between them and Al says, you know, run away, I've got this. And then, you know, Al uses alchemy to create a uh, spear, but he uses the hand clapping alchemy, not a transmutation circle. This surprises Lust because she realizes, oh, he's opened the gate. Well, this is a shame because I I don't want to have to kill somebody who's opened the gate. Uh, she attacks and she slices up his um, his spear, and then she proceeds to try to attack Riza. Al steps in front of it and uh, steps in front of the attack and gets pierced. And Riza's just begging Al to just run and leave her. And Al finally says, "You know, I'm sick and tired of running. I'm tired of people dying, trying to protect me. I'm not going to run anymore. Not when I can protect the people I care about." And then all of a sudden, we hear Mustang say. Well-spoken. I couldn't agree more. Al realizes that it's Mustang, and he quickly does a transmutation to create like a little barrier to protect him and Riza, and Mustang burns Lust. It turns out that Mustang, being resourceful, carved a transmutation circle into his hand, and he's using the flint from Havoc's lighter to ignite the air that he's transmuted to be more oxygen-heavy and flammable. And he also used the tra- uh, the alchemy to essentially cauterize his wound shut on his stomach. And he's, he claims, yeah, I nearly passed out from the pain alone. And he says, you know, you said you can't die, but I'd like to try. And so he just keeps igniting her and you just keep hearing her yelling. And he just keeps lighting her on fire over and over again until eventually he does successfully kill her. She disintegrates and he says, well, you've killed me. This is it. I am... We just see her disintegrate, and then until all she is is her Philosopher's Stone, and then the Philosopher's Stone disintegrates. Mustang passes out from pain. We then see, in the shadows, we see a Fuhrer, and he looks like he's about to attack, but for whatever reason, he decides not to. He, he sheaves his sword and walks away. Mustang says, hey, we got to go get Havoc. We need to call him a doctor. Al returns back to Winry, reports that he's fine, but of course he's worn out because of the fight and his armor's kind of falling apart. We see Barry the Chopper who Lust had cut in pieces, but he apparently like the, the little um 
the little blood circle on the piece of metal that has the blood circle is still in peace. So technically he's still alive, but he's only in that little piece of metal. His body comes up and scratches at his human body. That is comes up and scratches at the transmutation circle or the, the blood seal until it smudges. And then we just see that the blood seal, you know, spark goes out of the blood seal, which signifies that his soul has left that, piece of armor and then we see his human body die at the same time we quickly jump back to risen bull as ed returns home and he comes by a graveyard and lo and behold we see ed's father so what were your thoughts on this one jimmy a lot happened in this episode if you've been waiting for an action-packed episode then this is it it felt like if they were going to make a movie out of one episode, this was this should be the episode. It was action, 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 action. I loved it. I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time. Yes. And then they do a great job making you think that he is going to be, that Mustang's killed because he stopped. Like, you know, he's like a major character. So part of you realizes he probably isn't dead. But at the same time, we've seen a lot of people we wouldn't think would be dead. Uh, shown up be killed like Hughes and whatnot so it's not unreasonable to believe that maybe he was killed but then yeah it's he was he was resourceful as always and he wound up carving a philosopher not a philosopher's stone carving a transmutation circle in his hand and using that to sear his own wound shut so that he can fight again yeah it was uh a lot of characters going down I mean, it feels like a lot of characters, but I guess really it's only Mustang, Havoc, Al, or not, yeah, Al. It it felt like a lot was going on in a short amount of time, and it was great. It's surprising that they, I guess they didn't know about the homunculi before, because when uh, Al told them about it, they seemed pretty shocked. Yeah, I think that makes sense because really Al didn't even know about the homunculi until he actually met one uh, with greed. So my guess is that it seems like homunculi are folklore in the Full Metal Alchemist universe. And so it wasn't until they actually met somebody who who was a homunculi that they realized that they were a thing. So I feel like, yeah, that's just not, it's kind of like the talking chimera and stuff. It's not something that most people in the, in the world know exists. So even when Alphonse mentioned, Oh yeah, it's a homunculi, they're immortal and stuff. He even had to say, I know you don't believe me, but then, you know, Riza was saying, well, with everything I've seen so far, it's hard not to believe you. Yeah. It's just that scene in the very beginning when gluttony is attacking her in the clock tower, I was very worried about her dog. I thought Gluttony was going to eat her dog, and I was prepared to be upset for the rest of this episode if that happened. Exactly. And he, I mean, I guess he just went somewhere to lick up his wound, lick his wounds or something because we just don't see him anymore the rest of the episode. Uh, or maybe there was just more important things to deal with, like uh, like like going after Barry, so... Uh, but it, it, I guess it just was weird that we that all of a sudden we just don't the homunculi are not interesting anymore. It 
it is a little fascinating that gluttony doesn't come back. We don't see envy at all in this episode, which I thought we would. It's ever since we got introduced to envy, it always seemed like those three have been kind of a package deal whenever we see them together. I agree. It, they are definitely seem like they're always together. And we finally learned that a, that a, uh, that a homunculi can die. I mean, you gotta die a painful death. And I think you brought it up in that episode when we were talking about greed and, um, you know, he can heal, but can he heal fast enough? Cause we end, we see the end of lust in this episode, or I'm assuming the end of lust. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe she can... A new version, Lust 2.0, will come back later. But Mustang kept burning her over and over again. I don't think her body could reheal that fast. We saw, like, the flesh being taken off of her each burning. So... I, I They can be killed. Yeah, so, like, the Philosopher's Stone, according to Marco, seems to be a finite resource. So... We also see that the Philosopher's Stone is the true form of the homunculi because Greed, when he's melted down, he turns into a Philosopher's Stone that Father drinks. So my guess is like that Philosopher's Stone actually generates their body and whatnot. And when it runs out and it can no longer generate a body, when it runs out of energy, then that's when they officially, so to speak, die. Uh, so yeah, I think that's ultimately how Lust was killed. That, you know, he... he burned her until there was no more energy to heal her. It is very interesting. I didn't realize that even though we did see greed turn in, into a philosopher's stone, I, I guess I didn't realize that there that all of them have philosopher's stones or they're all powered by philosopher's stones. It was very interesting seeing that it was a little jarring seeing Mustang rip it out of her in the scene before trying to, when he's trying to save Havoc's life. Yeah, and it did uh, also kind of commit, or not convince, but like seal in the idea that she is a philosopher's stone because we see him rip rip it out, and then he goes up to you know take the philosopher's stone to heal havoc, and then she just forms around his hand where the philosopher's stone is. So she's like, "Yeah, I told you the philosopher stores the philosopher's stone is my core." Yeah, and oh man, havoc getting stabbed by lust. It was. That was a tough one. I I feel like every time I'm getting attached to these characters, something horrible is happening to them, and I don't know if I can take this anymore. Uh-huh, yeah. He's, I mean, I'm glad that he survived, that, you know, he's around and everything, but or presumably he survived because Mustang was able to finish Lust and they were able to get a hospital or get medical attention to him. I guess we'll find out in the next episode if he pulls through, though. It seems like they're setting it up for the idea that he pulled through. So that's that's good. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just not bizarre. That's not the word I want to use. But just the whole idea of the monkey lie and that they can be defeated. Like now one is down. And actually, I took an interesting note. Uh, this is just like my deep cuts here. Uh, so Dante in Dante's Purgatorio, the old book the, from the Divine Comedy, they say that people who are lustful or their sin is lust, who are in purgatory, are forced to walk through a raging fire. And so I'm like, I wonder if that's why they they they, they use that illusion 
for Lust's death and her being burnt to, to death. That is interesting. I wonder, does that have like the other seven deadly sins in that as well? Yeah, yeah. So like everybody who is, um, everybody who is uh, like a sinful person and who has to go through purgatory or goes through the, goes to hell gets punished for what their primary sin was. So yeah, you do see all the other sins. Interesting. I, I, I mean, it was, it was intense. Her death scene was intense. I do think everyone was firing like on all cylinders. Emotions were high. We just saw like Al get ripped apart. And I was worried about Al. I thought every time I, something stabs Al, I'm like, it's going to hit that, that mark and we're going to lose Al. Cause it's, it's interesting. His soul is bonded to the armor but it's such a fragile thing. It is interesting that he is a pseudo armor, but his he's so fragile. Like that mark is like so fragile. Exactly. Like it's the same thing. We just see that with Barry. Barry gets, uh, you know, it, it's not even a stab or anything. Well, we see it also with the other, the uh, Slicer brothers, when uh, Lust and Envy destroy their seals. And then we even see with Barry, like his seal just gets rubbed off. And it kills him. Which is like, again, another character. It's hard to be like, I love this psychopathic killer. But Barry had a heart. I don't know. It's weird. My relationship with Barry has been up and down. And I just, I got, I felt really sad at the end. I mean, he wanted to keep chopping people, even though he was just a piece of metal, like a sheet metal piece. But it seemed like his body wanted to go back to him, like we were talking about in the first episode, because his body is like rubbing the seal where his soul is. It it can't be coincidence. His his body could have grabbed any piece of metal that was Barry, but it grabbed this this piece and it was rubbing it like it wanted to be a part of it again. Yeah, my guess. So they he when Barry finally supposedly catches and kills his body earlier in the episode, which clearly he didn't because his body was able to get up and scratch his soul piece and whatnot. But, you know, he mentioned something about how, you know, the, the, it smells like rotting flesh because, you know, another, a, a body can't have another soul in it, or I guess a body can't have another soul in it as he puts it. And that ultimately begs the kind of raises the question like, okay, well maybe, yeah, maybe, that's true. Maybe the body can't have another soul in it. And that's why it was attracted to the suit of armor because it was trying to get its soul back. I, I I believe that a hundred percent. And I also think Barry needs to watch out what he's saying around Al. Barry says things out in the atmosphere and it sends Al in like this whole dilemma of who he is and what, like, is he a real person? Is he not a real person? Is his soul bonded to this armor? Is it going to lose it? Because a, a soul can't be a part of armor. It feels like every time Barry says something, Al spirals down. Which is sad. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess, granted, Barry's not exactly uh, somebody that I would call the best person in the world to uh, look for advice from. So I think, you know, it's... Uh, I think that he wasn't even thinking 
you know, like he just was thinking to himself that, okay, well, uh, I will go ahead and just say this because this is my, this is what I'm thinking right now. I, I love this episode a lot. It's, it's probably become one of my top favorite episodes. And I just want to point out if it, hopefully you've already watched this episode, whoever's listening to this right now, but if you haven't watched this episode and you're just listening to us talk, when you go back to watch this episode, watch the part where they all get into the car and they see Al and Mustang's like, are you going to join us? And Al gets in the backseat and when they go to the backseat, you can see that Havoc is squished in the backseat. Yes. Like Al gets in the back and then Havoc is squished. And it's just those little things where you're like, yeah, that's how it would be like in real life. And I couldn't help but laugh. You might miss it, but you know, pay attention to those little things whenever you're watching the show. Cause it's, it's funny. Al is a giant suit of armor. That's what it's going to be like if he gets in the backseat. Exactly. Which is kind of funny too. It's like this, all of this craziness is going on, but then they're still like, Hey, we can put in a little joke while we're at it. I also love they don't acknowledge it. Havoc's never like, oh, I'm squished. But when you see Al talking and they go to the backseat, you see like Havoc squished and he's like leaning against the window of the, the car. So it, it's a, those moments are things I enjoy about this show so much. And this episode was great too. And I don't know if you, you were wondering about Laboratory 3 as much as I was. Because they walk into Laboratory 3, there's workers, there's scientists in there, yet the bottom is looks abandoned. It it didn't make sense to me. Like, Are all these people fake people? Or My what's going guess on? is that Laboratory 3 is an actual research center, but there's probably underground tunnels that connect them all or something. It just it was interesting to see like a full working lab and then just like down these stairs is almost dungeon like thing. But then a giant white room at the yeah. end of the hallway. That was definitely weird. I know it's going to play a bigger part later on like it has to. Like there's that's that you know we we're talking earlier in the episode before about Al looking at that thing and that 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 thing looked just like it. So I feel like we're going to learn more about it here soon. And then I wonder what Bradley was going to do. He was ready to do something. He had a sword out. So I was wondering what he was going to do. Cause in my mind, I thought he was going to kill lust. Cause he's not ready for his cover to be blown. Yeah. Yet. But I don't know. What do That's you think? That's what I thought too, because I don't think he would have wanted to kill the uh, you know Riza and Alphonse and whatnot because you know they mention how important it is to have these sacrifices so killing them seems like it would have been counterproductive so my thought is he would have either killed Lust or or something like that to 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 preserve his cover uh, I don't think he would have been willing to risk destroying these sacri- these quote unquote sacrifices that are so important to whatever it is their greater plan is. I that interested me. I'm wondering what what's going to happen with Gluttony. It feels like Gluttony and Lust are the dynamic duo of the homunculi world. So what happens when 
We lose one of them. Yeah, that will definitely be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, how all of the homunculi deal with it, because clearly they're going to be angry. And yeah, we should just, I hope we've figured more of that out. But now we actually know that they're, they're killable. So it's going to kind of raise the stakes moving forward too. I mean, we know they're killable, but it took a lot to kill one of them. If there's three of them attacking you, I don't think you could you could do it. We'll have to see. I don't know if anybody else caught it up to this point, and this will probably be my last point for this episode. Uh, so there's so so far we've seen or we've seen them alluded to six of the homunculi, and they're all named after the seven deadly sins. So that means there's one more out there that we haven't met. Like technically, there's two we haven't met because one was just mentioned. Greed, greed in that earlier episode mentions where's sloth, and you kind of see him in a tunnel or something digging. And that's about it. But he's not in the actual room with the rest of them. But clear, And then there's five in that room. So clearly, if we're doing the seven deadly sins, that must mean that there's seven of them total, unless Father is pride or something. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see when we'll meet the, the, the seventh. Oh, yeah. And I was hoping we could get, like, the Avengers of the homunculi world and all of them would come together. But... I mean, that's not going to be good for our, our heroes in this show, but we'll we'll see. I did think Greed. I I thought if Greed could have lived, he would have flipped sides and would have helped Mustang. He just seemed like whoever's willing to help him, he's willing to go with them, which made it bad for the other homunculi people. He works for his own best interest. That's for sure, because he he lives for he lives for his namesake. He's greedy. He doesn't care about anybody else but himself. So, whoever worked out better for his plans would be who he would uh, side with. Yeah, but this is a great episode. If you didn't watch it, go watch it. I loved it. I'm excited to see where we where we going from here. Even if you did watch it, watch it again. It was great. Yeah, watch Havoc get squished in the back of the car seat. I love it. Well, I think that's it for this episode. We ran a little long, but that is fine because this was an awesome episode. And we will join you next week. I've been Jason. And I'm Jimmy. Take care. Bye. Bye.